Hi, I'm George. I'm Dan. I'm Rick. And, and we are Queer Magnolias, the podcast. Each episode, we're going to talk about what it was like growing up gay in the South. The trials and the tribulations. The joy and the struggle. And more importantly, how we became who we are today. Oh, honey, queer and fabulous. So come on in, y'all, and get comfortable, Shug. Kick off your shoes and sit a spell. And at the end of each episode, we're going to meet up out on the front porch for my favorite part of the podcast... Happy hour! So join us for an all-you-can-eat buffet of cutting up, foolishness, and caring on. Always served with a heaping helping of sass. And that's a, a Queer Magnolia's guarantee. Thanks everybody for joining us. This is Queer Magnolia's, and today we are talking about Big Daddy. The father figure kind, not the gay scene kind. We'll get to that episode soon enough. Before I turn it over to the boys, though, I just want to let you know where you can find us. Look for us everywhere you find your podcast, and if this is your first time joining us, please subscribe so you never miss a cocktail of the week. All right, guys, take it away. Thanks, Thanks. Daddy. Thank you. Hi, y'all. Hi. Hey there. How are you today? Fantastic. Very I'm a, good. I'm a little hungover. I'm trying to well, <laughs> honestly, honey. <laughs> Last night was kind of a big night. Yes, so. it was. Congratulations. On what, Danny? Well, I think somebody <laughs> won an Emmy Award yesterday, okay. and it wasn't me. And it wasn't me. <laughs> so congratulations, you. Mr. Clifton. Thank you. Yes, we're going to have a whole lot to put up with now. <laughs> I mean, she thought she was impossible before. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Be so extra today. <laughs> so extra. So today we're going to talk about Big Daddy. Big Daddy. You know mm. what I think is so funny? Is of the all the regions of the country, the South is the one region where grown men will call their father daddy. That's true. Mm-hmm. I, which That's true. With with no with no irony, just it's, it's what it is. <laughs> it's, yes, what it is. it's what it is. I mean, I think I didn't stop calling my father daddy until I got to college. I mean, you know, that's when I first was experiencing a lot of people from other parts of the country. And they called their father, father. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I should tone down the daddy out of it all. <laughs> and I called mine daddy until he died. So it just was one of those things that it was, it was natural. He called his father daddy mm-hmm. until he died as well. And I, I called mine daddy as well. But I think when I referred to him to other people, I said my dad or my father. Um, but when I was talking to him, it was always daddy. And I don't think there was any reason like uh, you said about other people's uh, influence yeah exactly or their impression of it but it just was uh... well and one thing i learned growing up is there's a a big difference between calling someone daddy and father mama and mother Mm -hmm. i know that for the grandmother my step-grandmother that i wasn't close to she was always grandmother and that was because i wasn't close to her but for my mom's mom i was very close to her and she was big mama so for Southerners, you can sort of tell how close they are to their parents by how they refer to them. Well, since you brought that up, I guess if I'm being honest, it had very little to do with the people in college and more the fact that our relationship had changed. Oh. So, yeah, dad went, my father went being from daddy to father just because of the, the nature of how things had evolved with us. Um, I was never super close to my dad. We always had a kind of a strained relationship because, as you both know, um, 
my parents divorced when I was like four years old and I went to live with my paternal grandparents. Um, my dad was the third of four children and he was 18 years old when I was born. Um, okay. He had only been a, a husband for just a few months before that. So y'all do the math. <clears throat> um, you were very premature. Well, you know, small for my age. <laughs> um, so yeah, front so, runner as it were. It was so after the birth, about four years later, uh, my parents divorced, and like I said, I went to live with my grandparents, and I have honestly very few childhood memories with my father. I don't remember him ever going to like school plays or like band recitals. Um, he was busy building his own life in Raleigh. Um, he had a new wife. He was building a business. He owned a millwork company. Um, so he had new wife, new life. And so he wasn't... Did you see him at holidays? I did see him at holidays. There's one holiday I remember in particular that I refer to as the Christmas of Great Disappointment. Oh, Lord. It was the one Christmas I distinctly remember actually having at his house where, like, Santa Claus came there. I was oh. probably maybe, I don't know, eight or nine. And so I woke up on Christmas morning, and in the living room there was a tent and a sleeping bag and camping equipment and a guitar and everything I did not want. <laughs> I'm seeing no easy bake oven. There was nothing that I asked Santa Claus for. And I was like, I, no boas, no, 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 nothing, nothing. no Barbie, <laughs> no makeup kit. A fucking tent. Are you kidding me? And, and on top of it, the tent was like royal blue and red so it wasn't even like a cute color <laughs> like i couldn't even pretend it was something fabulous no turning it into a dressing room no and i know there's one photo that i still have from that christmas and it's and the look of disappointment on my face is tangible because it was I, and I, we, have to, we have to find that photo and post yeah, it girl. Yes. i remember so well thinking santa came to the wrong house <laughs> Santa needs glasses. I can see you getting up and walking in and be like, what the fuck <laughs> is this? I wanted cha-cha heels. <laughs> but wait, then why are you and Jacob asking us to go camping? What the fuck is that? Are we really going to talk about that? <laughs> it was a... Sorry. Girl, there was drinking it involved. It, it Glamping <laughs> is what we're going to go do. <laughs> I don't even Look, stay at the Four Seasons because it references nature. <laughs> I told Danny I'll stay at the lodge. You guys can sleep in the tent. It's not a tent. It's a cabin. It has cloth walls. It's a tent. We need to revisit this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling that weekend will just never arrive. Well, I... I would happily go stay in a cabin in the woods if you guys want to do or that. Or like a but cabin, I'm like, you know, a tent, on a girl. beach or at a lake. That would be so lovely. Or a two-story cabin, about something completely a, chalet. Sorry, a chalet. Like, sorry, I, I completely derailed this <laughs> you conversation. You did. Go back to Christmas at <laughs> Now, and in fairness, I have to say, I didn't always make it easy for my father. Um, I got to, like, that middle school and teenage years when I was horrible to like my stepmother um which of course made it very difficult on him we just we had we just butted heads at every turn um and when i got to about high school my dad found religion again they started attending um the heps of a baptist church oh my this very sounds like old. witches <laughs> <laughs> did you say hexaba hepsaba oh my <laughs> and um they became very very involved in the church they um you know they served on the boards they were very very involved 
And when I was 17, that's when I came out. Um, and I remember my father saying to me, his comment to me coming out to him was, well, we've always had more of a father-daughter relationship than oh. a father-son relationship. Mm. Um, which I thought... Did that did that hurt? Or did it make you feel... I mean, to me, I, would, I don't know how I'd react to that. Cause... I, well, I think in my head, I was like, well, he's right. I mean, we certainly didn't... Yes, but he's saying that to you. I'm sure he wasn't standing in the front of the church saying that. So it makes it very different, I think. Or at least it would for me. I don't think I would have thought that was amusing at all. I think there was a sense of perhaps a little relief just in the fact that I had come, just come out to him. So there, so I was like, well, at least he gets it that he's not like, I don't know, like you, no son of mine or whatever. You know, well, that that's whole. true. It was like, well, okay, you're always been more of a girl than a boy to me anyway. And I was like, well, okay, that's what that is. <laughs> really? Even explain that Christmas. <laughs> um, so I, so I, I, the other thing I want to talk about with my dad is the fact that when I got to college, when I was a college freshman, my dad and stepmother adopted a child. Um, they tried for many years to have a child and, and then adopt a child, and it just it was very complicated and mm -hmm. to get a baby. And then they finally got one. Um, and little boy named Andy, and he was raised in church. He was, he was a super religious little kid. And when he got to be, he told me recently that when he got to be in high school, he went through a phase of questioning his religion. Right. And at once having a fight with my dad and stepmother, he said to them, um, well, what would you do if I were gay? And my dad's answer to him was, I would beat it out of you. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah. So, which is so opposite of the story that kind of I had the, the belief that I had that oh my dad he's you know he's accepted that I'm gay and he's fine with it because obviously I'm living on the other side of the country I don't deal with him every day so to hear these things from my brother about what their thoughts were behind closed doors is very eye-opening um my father comes from that very long line of southern men and that southern tradition of the only child that you're allowed to show affection to is a little girl Right. Men don't coddle their sons for fear of making them a sissy. Um, my dad is very much of that belief that you love the sinner and you hate the sin. And that is why to this day, my <laughs> father and I, not daddy, father and I have a very complicated relationship. I think wow. it's understandable. I really do. My poor father didn't have a choice. I was always the kid that clung on to him, so he didn't have a choice. Right. I, I, I do agree with you. I think there are a lot of men in the South that they don't show emotion um, to a daughter, yes, but to no one else. Right. Maybe to their wife, and that's a maybe. Right. Um, I think it is I, a maybe. I, I would say in a lot of my family, the the man was not affectionate to another man or boys. Oh, I think it was exactly the same way in my family as well. The, uh, um, on my mother's side, uh, we have a huge family. And uh, there's so many of my cousins and uh, second, third, fourth cousins that are all manly and butch and you know can't right. interact with another and how dare you hug another man and you know, they could they would have liked that Christmas I had they could take <laughs> all that camping they stuff that, they would they would take that tent in a second uh, but it was the same my father was a little different in that he was. Um, I don't want to say overly affectionate, but he wasn't as distant uh, as uh, from what I remember growing up. But there was definitely that uh, my sister was daddy's little girl. Oh, yeah. Uh, so for sure, without a doubt. 
they were pretty close. Um, but things, shall I just dive in? <laughs> Go ahead, honey. We're here for you. <laughs> tell, tell the tale. So, uh, so I remember when I was very young, my father was sort of, I just remember him being, uh, when he was there, he was a truck driver, so he was uh, he would come and go and be on the road sometimes one to two weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. um, but when he was there and when he gets home, it was always, uh, we're happy to see him. And then something changed uh, as I think as I got a little bit older, probably eight, nine, ten, uh, and it's probably as I just became more aware uh, of the situation and what was going on, um, I realized that something about my father just wasn't right. And uh, he would sometimes go away, and they never really truly explained. My mom would never explain what it was. And I found out that he was actually going uh, back and forth to uh, an institution because he had mental illness. Oh, wow. And he had uh, he was diagnosed with schizophrenia at the time. Um, so he served in Korea, and I guess when he came back, that's when everything changed. I can't imagine it wouldn't. You know, we're fortunate enough that none of us had to serve there. Or the repercussions of that Precisely. and how it affected people because I don't think PTSD was a thing at the time. It wasn't. But, um, you know, I think knowing that he was uh, diagnosed at the time with schizophrenia and that his episodes would come and go, I worried a lot because I knew uh, I didn't want it. And it was like I worried that I would that it would someday present with me. Of course. Uh, and I know that it usually presents uh, in men in their early 20s. I'm a little past that now, so I, feel, I mean, I feel just like a cleared, little, just a little. I feel like I'm clear out of the that, forest. Uh, that, yeah. that hurdle has been jumped. Exactly. So, but um, at the time, though, like I said, nobody really ever explained it to us and what it was, and and I think because of that, it really shaped my relationship with my father from uh, from those moments uh, of finally becoming aware that something wasn't quite right, uh, and I think his mother, my grandmother um was ashamed of that uh-huh and instead of putting the blame on her son she put the blame on my mother oh and so she hated my mom and i'm a mama's boy at heart yes. and the second you turn on my mom oh we got issues and so my grandmother and i uh, i mean i would stand in between them and i was like you will not talk to this woman that way oh it got like that yes she would come down and she'd start yelling and screaming and it, it was always about whatever it was uh because she didn't want to admit that there was a problem with her son of course. so by putting it on my mom she would come down and they would have arguments and she would blame her she would blame her for um uh, him going away, being in the institution, uh, you know, he was, my mom worked, but he was, uh, you know, the one that made the mortgage payments, and so my grandmother would have to pick them up sometimes, and so that just made it worse, uh, and it just became very contentious. This was way beyond making snide comments at a family reunion <laughs> about your mom's potato salad. <laughs> but, and, you know, there, there were, there was, in every family, there's that member of the family that is perfect they didn't do anything wrong and they're so quick to blame everyone else rather than looking at a situation and saying we should all work on this together to make it better not only for your dad but your mom the children everybody but no grandma had a bone to pick with everybody else yep. and so she only exacerbated the issue there's just no two ways around it but i will tell you his father my grandfather i loved that man to death I mean, he was down to earth. He was funny. He was just a really cool guy. Um, and he passed away when I was uh, 12 or 13, I think. Mm -hmm. um, but I remember he was a welder. 
So he had a welding shop in town. And you know what? Come from a small town. So he was local famous. Of course. <laughs> so everybody knew him. But he, like I said, he was just really funny and just uh, kind of always a joy to be around. And he adored my mother. And oh. the two of them got along so great. And I think it was because... My grandmother hated her. <laughs> I was going to say, how did your grandma and grandpa live together in the same house if they were such extreme opposites? I think that they refused to get divorced, but they slept in separate bedrooms. Oh, yeah. there we go. So, there was that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they rarely ever interacted. I think they sat down to have dinner together once a day, but other than that, they didn't talk to one another. So, All my, right. My dad's dad and his second wife were that way. She could worry the hell out of uh, Jesus. I mean, just... Everything was an issue. She was ready to fight at the drop of a hat. It did not matter. She made everyone's life miserable. My grandfather, on the other hand, was just easygoing, slow and nice and sweet and kind, but not her. First day she met my mother, she took one look at her and said to my dad, oh, she's a whore. Wow. Because she had on, because she had on lipstick. lipstick. Yep. Ooh, uh, that did not go over well, ever. I'm sure your mother... Just put that away in her pocket and never thought of it again. Oh, everyone's heard, uh, this group has heard a lot about my mother. She didn't put things away. That's right. She kept it right there on the mantle so she could look at it, dust be it, pissed polish off it. every day. Well, my father passed away in back in 2003. Uh, and that's when I think I told the story in one of our episodes, the coming out episode, that uh, I had a conversation with my mom. And she had revealed to me that he tried to come out to her uh, back in the 70s mm -hmm. uh, at some point, And she just shut it down. Um, and I think uh, that when I learned that, that my perception of him, I, I, I touched on this a little bit, uh, had a really started to change. And I started to think about, uh, it, I really started to give some thought to the things that happened to him in his life that affected him and I was trying to I tried to stop personalizing so much of it you know I tried to really kind of turn around my point of view mm -hmm. uh, and see things uh, through his uh, lens and through uh, you know all of his experiences and I feel like it kind of helped in a way to mend that relationship because we were not close I mean I had not seen my father probably since I was 13 or 14 uh, and uh, having learned that after he passed away it really sort of started to mend that relationship I think a little bit and sometimes I regret not knowing that sooner because I wonder could that have changed sure something I think something like so. that like you said it it changes the tint of everything yeah so I still uh, seek I do it in secret I'm saying it now on the podcast uh -oh. but every time I go home now and I, I usually try to go home once a year to see my mom um, I try I sneak out to my father's grave Mm -hmm. uh, and just spend a lot of time at the grave. And sometimes I'm angry and I'm cursing at the man and it's all right. doing all that. And and all of it's valid. Yeah, that's right. And sometimes it's it's just conversation. And yeah. sometimes it's just quiet reflection. I think it becomes very cathartic when we do try to see someone else's life from what, how they were or what they thought or, or what was their impetus for the things that they did. It doesn't always erase history. But at least it gives us a chance to be able to come to grips with it or come to terms with it as how it relates to ourselves. Yeah. And I will say I'm not close to anyone on my father's side of the family. I don't remember the last time 
I spoke to any of them. I have some aunts that, uh, his sisters that I haven't talked to in probably 15 years. I have cousins that I spent weekends with as a child that I haven't seen since I was 13 or 14. If I ran into them on the street today, I wouldn't know who they are. Well, and I think something we talked about before recording was that um, you haven't talked to them and they haven't talked to you. That's true. So it's a two-way street. It is exactly. a two-way street, honey. That yeah. telephone works both ways, yeah. no matter which end you pick up. That's it. That's it. And I think that that's, that's important. And I also think that we choose our own family once we become grown. And that's everyone. That's not just gay people. That's everyone. Yeah. We choose our family because this is how we live. And we need the nurturing of other people to become our new family. Out of the three of us here, you probably have uh, the most, at least in my mind, enviable uh, relationship with your father, which sounds like it was pretty great. So I want you to tell us a little bit about him. We are clearly talking to Dan now, not me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I get this one. So I was very close to Daddy. I am very, very fortunate. Uh, We loved each other, and he was very affectionate with me. Um, This will sound a little unique to a lot of people, but with both my mom and dad, we kissed on the lips, and I was even in college, and that was still happening. Please tell me there was no tongue. There was no tongue. Uh, (laughs) 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 No, you know, I I think of, of people who knew my dad, they would always say he was an honorable man, and he was a good man. He wasn't violent. He didn't raise his voice. Um, He hit me twice sort of as punishment, um, but not punching. There was none of that. I grew up in a house that um, there was plenty of corporal punishment doled out by my mother, but my dad wasn't that way. I would say he was a pacifist. I'm sure he would cringe at that Mm -hmm. because lots of people in the South think a pacifist is a bad thing. Sure, it means you're a communist. (laughs) That's exactly right. But he was. My dad didn't hunt. Uh, he did fish a little bit. That was, uh, I was not going to stick a worm on a hook. No, ma'am. Daddy was raised by his grandmother uh-huh. and paternal grandmother, which I find George and my dad share that. Typically, children who are raised by grandparents seem to go with the maternal grandmother. Daddy had a maternal grandmother, but she was already taken up by some other family member who had five children. Oh, there you go. So he was raised by his uh, maternal grandmother, who was, I'm assuming, in her late 40s or early 50s. She'd already raised five or six children. Mm -hmm. Uh, She spoiled the shit out of him. He (laughs) never cooked a thing. He never washed a thing. He never vacuumed a thing. That was not him. That was done by Miss Martha. So, you know, she loved him, though, and that love came to me, and I'm very fortunate by that. Oh, and fantastic. Yeah, and so his mother died giving birth to him. I don't know if I said that or not. So that's how he was raised. That's why he went. Yeah, that's why he was raised by his paternal grandmother. I'll tell you some unique things about my dad. He did... He was so good at accounting. He wrote every... Ciphering. Ciphering, that's right. (laughs) He wrote every check down in a spiral notebook. When he died, I found notebooks from the 70s. Every single thing he'd ever spent money on was written down. Wow. If my mom and dad got anything on credit, it was never once paid late, ever. My dad took every bill, and they were mailed three or four days before the due date, Mm -hmm. because he said, well, I give him my money. Every single thing was perfect. 
And he was, he was like that in a lot of his life. He would take empty jelly jars or pickle jars, take the label off, put screws and bolts in them, and then he would attach the lid to a shelf so he could screw the jar in under the shelf. Uh My father did that too. And it was, but he could see everything. Mm -hmm. And he was so neat and organized. And he had what I'm going to tell you was the cleanest fucking fingernails I've ever seen on a man. That was not my father. (laughs) He cleaned his fingernails two or three times a day with a pocket knife. He could pick up the tiniest of things with these claws and these talons. He was just neat. He he also needed a woman. He was never without one. His grandmother passed away. He started dating my mother. They got married. I was born 10 months. All the neighbors counted to make sure. <laughs> so that's a big thing in the South, honey. Anytime somebody's pregnant. Or a woman that wore lipstick. Right, right. <laughs> Anytime somebody gets pregnant, the counting begins because every neighbor wants to know whether they had sex before they were married. Well, then after my mom came, my stepmom, and when my dad passed away, he was still married to my stepmom. He did not live his life without a woman. Well, girl, he didn't know how to cook. He made a steak on the grill. And he made a fish stew. Those were the only two things he made. I think every man in the South knows how to grill. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and um, ice cream, homemade ice cream, was something my father. Used oh to yeah, oh. my grandpa the same way. Yeah. Oh, we didn't have any of that. Oh, there's stories about food that revolves around I, my mother. <laughs> I feel like food is its own episode. <laughs> oh, I totally. Agree. Totally. <laughs> so my dad, like yours, traveled. Uh, he worked for the Department of Transportation, and he was gone. When I was young, he was gone five days a week, mm-hmm. so Monday to Friday. And I love to read, and I loved to read as a child, and my favorite book was Nancy Drew. So, Daddy, I can only imagine Daddy trying to find whatever Nancy Drew book number I had given him for the next purchase. I wonder how many saleswomen said, oh, does your little girl like to read Nancy Drew? (laughs) And I bet he said, yes, she does. (laughs) I can tell you that my dad would have just probably nodded and ducked his head down and kept going. (laughs) I still like Nancy Drew. Well, that explains your Googling skills, honey. You find somebody's social media. Mm-hmm. Honey, you will not hide from Dan. That's right. Trust me. Uh, that's funny. Guess what time it is? It's time for my favorite part of the podcast. I can't imagine. <laughs> what is it? Happy hour. Ooh. Yay. Drinks, Bring drinks, it on. drinks, 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 drinks. <laughs> Let's head on out to the front porch, shall we? We go mosey. Let's do it. Mosey. Oh, let's, let's, sorry, mosey. Let's mosey on let's out. Mosey. Well, welcome on out to the front porch, y'all. Yes. 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 Today's hello. cocktail. Crime of passion. Ooh, oh, hello. honey. Ooh. Cheers. Cheers, y'all. Mm. Oh, that's nice. Oh, so tasty, Ooh, too. Yeah. Passionate. <laughs> it's a crime, y'all. What's our topic, Big Daddy? Well, I know we're on this fabulous screened-in porch. Yes. But <clears throat> what animal or insect should not exist on this planet? Oh, that's easy, honey. Anything with more than four legs does not deserve a place in my world. <laughs> period. Can I say Donald Trump? Whoa! <laughs> Yeah, that's an insect. That's a pig. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to pet that pig. Mm-mm. Oh, 
I don't know. I think snakes. You know, I mean, I'm gonna agree with you on snakes. I, I mean, I, they have a usefulness on the farm most of the time, but a lot of them are not nice, and there are quite a few poisonous ones. And my mom had a huge fear of snakes, and she passed that on to me. I can deal with it if it's over there, perhaps, no. but I'm not fond <laughs> of it. I will say that one time when I worked at the Raleigh Times in North Carolina. Uh, the kid that delivered the route was out that day and he had the downtown route. And one of the places was the Museum of Science. And so you, I would go floor to floor to, to deliver the newspaper and I got off on one floor and I backed out of the elevator and when I turned around, there was a 30-foot python behind a glass <laughs> in a glass now case. That, that ain't right in North Carolina. No, I, I, I'm feeling this Harry Potter moment. Uh, all, I, all I can tell you is... Did it talk to you? And no, it blinked its eyes and I wet myself right there, Hunter. There was no need of delivering a paper because I needed it to dry up the mess. It was bad, See, honestly. I, I feel the same way about spiders. I can't stand fucking spiders. Anybody that knows no, me, see, I can't. Spiders, mm -hmm. you take your flip-flop off, you yes, kill the spider. chunkla, no, bam. No. Yeah. Uh -uh. Uh -uh. I have spent my entire adult life looking for a husband or a mate that will kill the goddamn <laughs> spider. That's all I need. Just that kill it. Low priority. Save it. <laughs> don't save it. Don't try to. No. Don't all we can hear is kill it. Kill it. And if you can't find it, burn the goddamn house down. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only way to be sure. Pack up. We're moving. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only I've way to be sure. Actually, leave we're that leaving. thing because you don't know what the spider exactly. It might it's be got a family. in the box. Fuck it that. has laid yeah. eggs somewhere. You know, I, I somebody tried to take a spider outdoors one time and I was like you will do no <laughs> such thing and she was like why not and I was like because it's going to go tell its little spider friends that this is a good place to come. That's right. You're you, not going to die. Fuck you, that. You're going to die. You I'll light a match. You hit it with a chonkla. It doesn't matter. It's got to go. Mean, it's so easy. Yes, so it's easy to kill. But a snake? Girl, I'm with you on Ooh, a snake. Mm, honey, you need a big hoe. Growing I, up I the, mean a real hoe. One of those with a sharp edge. Growing not up your girlfriend. Right, come on. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, honey, you need a Baby. big hoe for that. Growing up in the country, black snakes everywhere, yes. all the time. And clearly they're not poisonous snakes, but they are big fucking snakes. They are. They eat rats, so they're useful if you have barns. Yeah. They are good. But if you run from one, it will chase you. See, no, anything that's going to fucking chase you down does not need to be alive <laughs> chasing me. On my farm, in my flip flops, in the south, <laughs> as a child, in pigtails, <laughs> in it ain't gonna happen with no. my Barbie doll. That is not gonna happen. <laughs> you need a big daddy to take but, care of that snake. So you I don't been, even know though how many shotgun blasts I put into a wall trying to kill a fucking girl, spider. So let me up. tell you this story about my grandpa in the south with the snakes. So we in Lukama because everything happens in Lukama. <laughs> Literally everything that ever scarred me as a child happened in Lukama. <laughs> We had this, you know, this uh, wooden house, but the base of the house, the foundation was brick. Mm -hmm. And it had rained really hard one summer. We'd all gone out to pick all the tomatoes or the watermelon or whatever the hell it was that had gotten super ripe and had to suddenly all get picked. And as kids, it was me and my two cousins, we were out there, you know, in shorts and like barefoot mm -hmm. and, you know, in mud up to our knees because mm -hmm. it rained so hard. So me and my cousin Michelle, she's like five years younger than I, go around to rinse our legs off outside with the spigot which mm. is of course between two bricks mm -hmm. at the base of the clapboard yep with this little gap between Ooh, between the clapboard okay. and between the bricks mm -hmm. where what's coming going. yes so and it's hot it's summer it's in the south it is hot as hell and it's super super muggy because we have a basement and all downstairs is like it's rain it's probably got water in it whatever 
So we go, I go to reach and turn the water on, and there is a snake in under the house with its head resting right on the handle of the faucet. Oh, on the spigot. Oh, oh, no. Right uh-huh. on the handle of the spigot. I burned that house down, honey. Burn it down. No, I'm just reaching to go put my hand right on it and turn it on. So, of course, we both scream like girls because we both are. <laughs> <laughs> Run away. Thank God I didn't grab it. And get my grandpa, and he's like, and so he makes us all be quiet. Everybody get quiet, be quiet, be quiet. So yes. stick its head back out because it's so hot and horrible under the house, which it does. And he gets a shotgun, one shot, and he kills that snake. Oh, I wow. like grandpa. Now that is <laughs> a big it, daddy right and there. And then it falls out from under the house, and it's like six feet long. <sighs> Oh my God! Yes, Yikes. it was probably four feet. It was probably two and a half feet. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it was six inches. It was a snake, Girl. and it was too big. It should have been killed. You've heard of racer snakes, yes? Yes, that's a but well, that's a black snake. Mm. It's a racer. Well, I've been chased by a racer snake mm-hmm. on my bicycle uh, as a kid. No, I went from our family graveyard uh, on our bicycle. I was coming down the hill, and this racer snake came up uh, beside my back, and I think I hit it. I just did that in a southern accent, and then my back, <laughs> and I hit it, and so then it started chasing me. I guess because it got mad, and it chased me all the way to my uh, cousin's house. Yep, and I was like, I'm never gonna get away. But I've never been as freaked out by them as I have by spiders. No, I don't know why not. They're usually bigger than you are. Right, that is true. So a funny story is uh, my mom's family. Well, the fact that they were as poor as they were is not funny. I mean, all five kids shared one bedroom, and my grandparents slept in the living room. That's how poor they were. But my aunt was grown, and she lived in Washington D.C. for a while, and she was a wave or a whack. She was one or the other, and. (laughs) Uh, during World War II and she came home on leave and by this time my grandparents and the kids living at home had moved into a a little bit larger shack this This had three rooms right I know this story so so they had they had (laughs) an outhouse because they my mother they never had a bathroom Mm. so Aunt Helen had gone out to the outhouse and this was a deluxe outhouse with two seats and she so you could hold hands with your friends right, yeah i'm not really <laughs> sure this <laughs> right i don't really know middle of the night in case you get scared you want to go out with your sister <laughs> so aunt helen put her, uh, her skirt down and she sat down on one hole and a chicken snake ran out the other uh-uh. hole and she came up out of that <laughs> toilet honey with a, a, a skirt right down around her knees honey she won't have a, no part of that chicken snake but mama said when she was growing up now, chicken snakes do climb trees, and they will live in trees. Oh, and yes. she said there was nothing, it was not uncommon to be walking by a tree, they and a fall. chicken s- snake would fall out of the tree I'm, next to you, honey. Now, that, I'd have had... Yes, <laughs> I'd have had to walk... <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, Mama used to tell a joke about, do you know how to get rid of a chicken snake? Well, they're scared of shit. So if one comes next to you, you are automatically going shit on yourself. Just smear it on the snake. <laughs> We, I mean, we had, <laughs> we completely had that what? in Oklahoma too. Though. Snakes yeah. would literally mm-hmm. fall out of trees. Oh, mm-hmm. and I remember after we moved out of that house, one of the trees it got hit by lightning or something, and they had to cut it down. One of these giant because it was the whole house was surrounded by giant pecan trees. Right. And so one of them got hit by lightning, and they had to cut it down. And I heard the story, and they cut it down. And while they were cutting it down. They were cutting through just snake after snake. Yep. That whole tree was like hollow and full Infested, of snakes. Oh yeah. my god! Mm, yeah. Mm-mm. Well, I used to date a guy uh, who lived in Texas. Snake? No, oh. he, uh, he lived in Texas in San Antonio, and they used to have scorpions. 
and that is something that kind of freaks me out too because there's always that scene from you know soap operas or movies where you wake up and the, uh, there's a scorpion that, that's crawled up on the bed and it's sitting right there at your head and all of that stuff. So I used to have that fear whenever I would go out and stay overnight. It was like, am I going to wake up in the morning with a fucking scorpion or in my face? Or a tarantula. Right. Yeah, we can't talk about that. I'm getting creeped out. <laughs> no, ma'am. Rick, you have arachnophobia. I do. Yes, I have the worst case of it. But, yeah. but aren't tarantulas like completely like they don't even bite you, right? Some do, some don't. You've watched one too. And scorpions movies. are also arachnid, so. Anything, like I said, anything with more than four legs mm. does not have place in my work. So, uniquely enough, scorpions and things like they don't bother me. Mm-mm. I guess cause because because we like you ran could, up on them. Well, in the we did. Well, precisely, <laughs> precisely. You know. I think it's just all the legs, though. It's like it's like all those creepy, creepy little crawling. legs moving and all these really weird. Ugh. I'm gonna throw, <laughs> I love that. I'm gonna throw something that's very southern. Possums. I don't need to see a possum. No. I don't know what oh, they do for the world. I got a story about a possum. <laughs> they are so ugly. <laughs> he has a possum stew story. Oh, no, it's not possum stew. No, uh, it's um, uh, in one of the places I used to live had a, uh, I had my own washer and dryer, but it was not inside the place. It was actually outside in this little like laundry building that we had. And so I went out one morning to do laundry one Sunday morning. I open up the laundry door, and there is a possum. <laughs> no, ma'am. No, ma'am. There is a possum and her babies. And Just she was looking not right out it. at you. I looked at her. <laughs> she she looked, looked at me. I screamed. She screamed. We both screamed. I slammed the door. That was it. Did you put money in the dryer and turn it on? <laughs> no, ma'am. No, he burned down the laundry. I, I did. I burned it down. I said, we're not doing this today. I was the not year. doing this today. That was the year we lost the summer kitchen. <laughs> it was the year of the possum, obviously. <laughs> so ugly. And that tail, that so oh, disgusting gross, tail. Yes. Right? So oh. ugly. Girl, I do not have enough liquor in this glass left to talk about possums anymore. I'm right there with you, honey. <laughs> so as my Aunt Lucy used to say, my ice cubes are dry. It is time to refill. We better go on in then and get us some inside. more. I'm not dealing with no spiders out here. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, y'all. We'll see you Bye. next week. Bye. Come join us again. Queer Magnolians is a weekly podcast hosted by Rick Clifton, Danny White, and George Skinner, and produced by yours truly, Jagan McGinnis. You can find us everywhere you find your podcasts, so please take a few minutes to leave a rating or review. We definitely look forward to hearing from you. If this is your first time joining us, please subscribe to receive the next episode automatically. Thank you for following us on Twitter at Queer Magnolias and on Instagram at Queer Magnolias Podcast, or email us at Queer Magnolias Podcast at gmail.com.